Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and today I'm privileged to be joined by Greg Gilbert, who is a pastor and author and uh, someone who has been teaching the Word of God uh, for a number of years now, and uh, I think he has a good grasp on it. In his latest book, it's called The Epic Story of the Bible, How to Read and Understand God's Word. It's a real privilege to have him with us, and as it is our desire and our effort uh, to make the Word of God known and accessible to our listening audience. So, Greg, thank you for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Yeah, thanks, Adam. It's good to be here. Good to talk to you. Now, you're a pastor, and uh, I think that background, I can resonate, I'm a pastor as well, and our our hope whenever we're preaching the Word of God or teaching is to help people understand the Scriptures for themselves, not just to rely on us as teachers, but to become better as they grow in their faith, to be better at reading the Word of God on their own. And I know that's really the core of your own ministry, very gospel-based, very Scripture-based. Tell us a little bit about your desire, especially when it comes to writing this book. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Our job as pastors is to help our people know and love the Bible more and therefore uh, ultimately to love Jesus more. That's that's the point. Um, and I think a really key element in, in that is to teach people to approach the Bible as something far bigger, far more beautiful, far better than just uh, a kind of fable book or anthology where you you dip in and you grab a verse and you say, what does this mean to me? Right. That's not what the Bible's doing. The Bible from Genesis all the way through the histories, the minor prophets, through the, the New Testament onto Revelation. It's one gigantic epic story. You know, I mean, you know what an epic is from from school. It's like these huge stories with the biggest imaginable themes and foreshadowing and symbolism and, you know, payoffs at the end, all, all the rest of it. And so you can think of like Homer's Odyssey, if you read that in school, you know, or uh you know, the Iliad or Lord of the Rings, right? Chronicles of Narnia. Those are epic stories. And the Bible is that. It is just the greatest one of those that's ever been written. Mm. Yeah, so one of the things I always say with my pastor buddies, it's like our job to try to get this book inside of people. But you can't just do it with these little sort of in unconnected stories and unconnected scripture verses yeah. that are great for pinning on uh, cushions that you can put on your couch. But uh, really what we want to help people do is understand how all of these stories are connected because uh, 66 books, over 30 authors, uh, over hundreds of years that this is all being compiled. How could it really be telling just one story, one epic story? Well, because, I mean, you're right, 66 books, 35 or so different authors, you know, I think I mean, you, you could say, that, well, the events are spanning, what, 1,500 years or yeah. something? The writing of them is spanning somewhere between 800 and 1,000 years, it seems like. Uh, uh, at any rate, the thing that can draw them all together is that they all are written, ultimately, inspired by one author that's behind them all. Uh, and that's the that's the author, God, who is is writing the story. He's just doing it over that amount of time, which, to me, makes it even more fascinating than just uh, you know an epic story that's pulled together by uh, you know a single human author because God is inspiring thirty five or so different human authors to write this one gigantic story based on true events even. Hmm. It's also important to know the sort of background because you can pick up the Bible and you can start reading it and it's different genres, it's different types of mm. literature, and you can walk away saying, well, this is just a collection of varied pieces of scripture that are, that are thrown yeah. together without any cohesion. You really have to know that there is connections to be able to read it and see those connections, don't yeah. you? 
Yeah, that's right. I, I think like the biggest offender of of that is is probably the minor prophets, because mm-hmm. uh, because in our in our English Bibles they're all stuck at the end, right? So you've got Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, you know, all of them, and they're all just stuck at the end. You might have an introduction in your study Bible that tells you a little something about it, but it, it, what what's interesting to note is that we basically know when when and where say ten out of twelve of those prophets were prophesying, and we can identify like back in second Kings when they would have been preaching. And if you read second Kings up to that point where like Amos was preaching and then you go read Amos, it goes into 3d because you're like, Oh my gosh, I literally was just reading about that problem in second Kings. And now here's Amos nailing it in the King of the time. And it just, you realize Amos is a real dude in a real history that is saying things to, to other real people. And those things just go into 3d. Yeah. You know, I've, I've toyed around with this whole idea of teaching the minor prophets, maybe just taking, uh, going through all of them one a week, just so you can like lay down the sort of structure of them. Yeah. And teach the main <laughs> I've done that. I didn't, I didn't take, you know, 12 straight weeks. I did them like three at a time once a year yeah. uh, because it saves your people having to get all minor <laughs> prophets all the time. <laughs> but just to have that, that help. And you do that in your book, you kind of break down what different books are talking about, but being that there are different genres, being that there are different focuses, it can it can be a little bit confusing when you're just trying to sit down with yourself and you're doing your daily devotions and read through the Bible in a year. That can be overwhelming for somebody. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah, absolutely. It's overwhelming for for me. I mean, I've spent I've spent years studying the Bible now, and you know, you you drop me into the middle of Leviticus, uh, and I've even preached Leviticus, and I still can't remember everything I said about it. And it's easy to just get get sort of lost in it. So, you know, to have a to have some help in that. Uh, is is a really good thing. So I did a book with Crossway, a, a Bible actually, some a couple of years ago called the Story of Redemption Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful, beautifully designed thing. But basically, what it is 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 you you start reading the Bible, uh, and I go along with you and 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 sort of pop up in the text every once in a while to say, you know, hey, here's what's going on in the story. You need to keep this in mind. You need to you know. Here's what's here's what's going on, and and then you sort of follow my order of reading the Bible too. So in the middle of Second Kings, I'll pop in and say, "Hey, let's go read, you know, Amos or Nahum or Habakkuk," and then at the end of that, I'll send them back to Second Kings, you know, to keep reading. But it's so helpful to just have help uh, in in reading the Bible and understanding it. One of the things that I found really helpful in this book and something that we're also very share in similarities is that uh, we're both outdoorsmen. We both enjoy hiking and we both enjoy uh, mountains. You talk a little bit about that as sort of this uh, kind of illustration and this journey through how to, to uh, tackle such a large, a large task of really understanding and internalizing the word of God. Yeah. So the, the sort of running illustration through the whole book is this trip that I took in 2017, I guess, uh, where I took a two-week hike, trek to Mount Everest base camp. Um, and so that's kind of a running theme through through the book. But uh, the, the, the sort of the idea is, is that before you launch out on this huge trek of reading the Bible, right, with all the mountain peaks and all the rest of it, this little book, The Epic Story of the Bible, is supposed to be the kind of, you know, sitting around in the rainy hotel dining hall with your guide and a PowerPoint telling you what you're about to get, telling you, you know, what sites to look out for, telling you what dangers there are on the trail, giving you some idea of the path that you're about to be to be following. And so this book is kind of meant to act like that, that briefing meeting where you're, you're given good information, 
hopefully. And then when that's done, set off on the trek and read the whole Bible. Now, I probably would skip that meeting if I were actually going. Because, you <laughs> know, I, 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 as a kid, read the directions on the video game. Yeah, right. Like I, I, didn't, I threw away the directions for all my Lego sets, right? You know, like you'll figure it out as you go. <laughs> but uh, um, th that's actually really important. That's kind of a foundational thing for understanding yeah. the Bible is having that kind of instruction, the, the pre-ample uh, message that you know what you're looking for so you can start to see the themes as you're walking through. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I do in that book is is try to identify like ten major mountain peaks or ten landmarks in in the story of the Bible. It's similar to what what we, they did with us on the trek. Like it's, you know, first you're going to go to Namche Bazaar, then you're going to go to this monastery, then you're going to go to this little town, then you're going to see Mount whatever it is, and then we do base camp. And I just kind of had that in my head the whole trek, and it was super helpful. So I try to do that with the Bible. You know, you've got you've got creation, the fall, the flood, on and on and on. There are like ten of them. Uh, and it helps because because there are long stretches. It takes a long time in the Bible sometimes to get from one peak to another. And if you don't have your eyes set on the next one, you really can find yourself just getting bored, getting distracted. Whereas if you know, okay, I got to press through Judges and Ruth, but the next big mountain peak is the crowning of the king, and I'm going to get there, it, it really can encourage you to keep going. I think one of the things in playing with that illustration, a lot of people wouldn't even start out on a trek like that to, to, to hike to the base camp of Mount Everest. Now, be clear, you make this clear in the book, they didn't summit Mount Everest, but uh, even oh, just getting to the, the base camp is quite the, the hike. Uh, that seems insurmountable to a lot of people, so they would never even entertain it. But you're right. actually inviting people to read the Bible, and I think the, the imposition is, I don't know how to begin, I don't know where to go, I don't even know where to start, so I'm not even going to try. But how do you eat an elephant, right? you got to do it like one bite yeah. at a time, and, and it, it start slowly, but you make that progress as you go. Yeah, it's true. And you, you just have to be encouraged that you can do it. I, I remember when I was when I took the first few steps on this trek out of the Lukla airport in, uh, on, the, on the foot of the, foot of the uh, Himalayas, uh, I ran into these two, and I was a little bit scared of it. There's altitude sickness, and there's you can get knocked off the mountain by a yak. And the bridges can collapse, earthquakes, yada, yada. So I was a little bit worried. But uh, as I was going out of Lukla Airport, these two, like, 80-plus-year-old ladies were making their way back up to the airport. And so I stopped and talked to them for a minute, and they, they were just finishing up their trek to base camp. And I was like, all right, let's let's go. I can I can do this thing. Um, same thing with the Bible. I mean, it, it's a it's a daunting thing, um, but uh, it, it is absolutely worth it. And there are lots of helps. You can you can get a study Bible, um, that story of redemption Bible that I did with Crossway. I, I think it's still out there here and there. Um, and I think that's a big help uh, to to people too. But yeah, take it a step at a time. Have some help along with you. Don't don't try to just eat the whole thing at once. It's not going to work. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it can be done. Now, for, for a lot of our listeners who understand a lot of the themes of the Bible, uh, they might have a hard time seeing them in some of the other books of the Bible. What kind of uh, advice do you have? Because you, you delve into this, that, that, that you should be able to see these themes, not just in the New Testament. You should be able to see some of these themes in the Old Testament as well that tie into our plan of salvation. Yeah, so the meat of the epic story book is, is tracing out, I think, four or five different themes that run through the entire scriptures. So uh, the first one I think is God's presence, you know, and you, as you read the story, you can see how the theme of, of presence or not, mm -hmm. uh, it is played out, you know, throughout the, th throughout the story of the Bible. You know, you start with 
Adam and Eve being in the presence of God, walking in the cool of the of the day with with God. Then they're cast out of God's presence. Then with Israel, there's this kind of mediated, dangerous presence of of God where He's there. But man, it's dangerous, right? And if you get something wrong, fire comes out and nails you. Um, and then and then ultimately, you get you get presence with God with and through Jesus. And then finally, you know, they shall see his face in Revelation. So there's this whole story of mankind losing and then regaining through Jesus being in the presence of God. And and the more you can just kind of know that that's th- that, that theme is there, the more you'll see it in other places as you read the story. You'll be like, oh, that's that theme of presence. And it, it, it uh, it's beautiful. Hmm. Kingship is another one that runs from start to finish. I think sacrifice atonement is is another one that I that I talk about in there. Yeah. Uh, can't remember all of them, but yeah, I think so. Of the themes, you know, covenant something we we can understand, and yeah, certainly absolutely. sacrifice we understand the idea of the blood of Christ. I think the one that is hardest for maybe Westerners to to wrap our mind around is this idea of king and kingdom. Uh, we yeah. think of salvation as something that is uh, you know ours here, but uh, the kingdom of God uh, that is a theme that even Jesus says, you know, seek first the yeah. kingdom of God. That's so hard, I think, for Westerners uh, or even Western readers of the Bible to to comprehend. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a complicated thing, and to make it worse, uh, it's it's can be somewhat controversial as people kind of argue over the meaning mm-hmm. um, and all the rest. But essentially, the kingdom of God means the rule or the reign of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Typically in English, we think of the word kingdom as meaning a realm, like a piece of land that belongs to a king or whatever. It doesn't mean that. It means lorddom or dominion or rule or reign. Uh, and the way that story gets worked out through the Bible is is basically that uh, it was it was always in creation supposed to be a human that was mediating God's reign. Adam was given the shot. He failed. Everything goes into chaos. And then the whole story of the Old Testament from Noah to the patriarchs to uh, the kings themselves is this question, okay, well, if it wasn't Adam and it's not Noah and it's not Abraham, it's not this guy and this, who is it? Like, is this next king him? Maybe it's Solomon in all his glory. No, turns out no. And the whole question becomes, who is this king that's going to reign? And of course, you know, that theme, like all the others, eventually, you know, comes to rest on Jesus of Nazareth as, you know, this is the king as, as Matthew fairly shouts in chapter one of his book. Mm. I think we, we have a hard time with that because salvation for us is is about us getting saved. You know, it's about us having salvation, but that idea of lordship is very hard for, I think, the, the Western civilization. It's very difficult to wrap our minds around. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what, I mean, it's, it's Jesus's kingship and the, his creation of a people that throws us into conflict with the world mm-hmm. all the time. So, you know, it's, yeah, personal salvation is one thing, uh, but to be to be called together by a king as a people with a mission, uh, that's a threat to the world. One of the things I think is really important for people to understand, especially when it comes to connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament, is this whole idea of sacrifice. We can see the theme very, at least on a very surface level. All right, the, the sacrifices in the Bible and the Old Testament and Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, but it's much but- deeper than that, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. Because as you as you read through uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and you know, the Pentateuch, you'll see that God is in various ways preparing His people for uh, the suffering servant to to die in their place. So you know, like Exodus seventeen, for instance, He teaches them that uh, sacrifice the set the ultimate sacrifice, the one who takes the punishment for His people's sins, will be God Himself. 
Now, it's kind of hidden under there, but it's the story where uh, Moses is told to strike the rock so that water slash life can come out. And the little detail in there uh, that we tend to read over way too fast is that when Moses strikes the rock, God has already said, I will be there on the rock. So, so the rod of judgment is coming down on God, and the result is that life comes out, which then explains why in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul can refer to Christ as the rock that was with them in the wilderness. He's, he's making that connection in 1 Corinthians 10 and seeing that it was, it was God who was struck for his people's salvation, and that's Jesus. You know? So, yeah, it, it's so deep. And so wonderful. And, and, and it's, again, it's, it's just worth doing the work to see those themes and fall in love with them uh, and know your Bible better. One of the things that I've, I've come up against in teaching the Bible is that people kind of are rebuffed by the Old Testament. It seems so harsh. It seems like a completely yeah. different God, and it yeah. seems like a completely different character than the, the Jesus we're so familiar with in the Gospels, or at least the, the Sunday school version of the Jesus we're familiar with in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're talking about sacrifice, it really does tie the deeper meanings of the Old Testament to the New Testament of what Christ actually accomplished on the cross. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I mean, this is this is why, uh, you, you know, you'll you'll learn a lot about God, and you'll 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 see wonderful things about Him reading the Old Testament by yourself. You'll see a whole lot more if if you've got people around you helping you to get insight and helping you to see, you know, what's important, what's you know, what 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 are the major themes. So it's really important to read the Bible with other people and not just sort of not just sort of dive into it. Um, mm-hmm. You'll get a lot, but you'll miss a lot too if if you do that. Um, so yeah. And we see this this theme of salvation provided in, in the Old Testament. Uh, That's why so much of the New Testament is, is quoting the Old Testament. It, we need to have the two together. We can't just stake out our claim in the New Testament absolutely. as believers, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, the Old Testament is the Word of God. Um, you know, most I think probably most evangelical Christians in the world think of it as a kind of second-tier Word of God. Um, and some preachers even treat it like that. But it's it's not. It is the... It's what throws the New Testament into full relief. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like it would be like saying, I, you know, I only read the last four chapters of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay, well, you're missing so you're you're not only missing so much of the story, you're missing so much of the meaning of the last four chapters, mm-hmm. right? Um, you, you've got to have you've got to have the rolling tide of the story behind it, so that those last four chapters or whatever have their full meaning in your heart. And if you've not done that, you're selling yourself short. I think that's where most people are hesitant to actually see the full epic story of the Bible is by getting into the Old Testament. We're, we're familiar with the New Testament. We like the epistles. Uh, we like the gospels. Those stories resonate with us. It can be a lot harder to understand the context of where all of that is pulling from the Old Testament in some ways. Yeah, it's true. So you got to have some good, you got to have some good guides, you know, mm-hmm. that, that can help you. Uh, uh, you know, it, the the the, uh, the discipline that we're talking about here is is biblical theology. So if if you start a, a study of biblical theology, um, you're you're going to find some good guides. Graham Goldsworthy uh, is is one really good guide. He's got a, a book called According to Plan that helps you understand the whole story of the the Bible. This this book that we're talking about, Epic Story. It is biblical theology. That's what it's doing. Um, uh, it's trying to do it in a fun way, you know, with talking about mountains and that sort of thing. But but that's what it's doing. It's trying to teach you to stitch the whole story of the Bible together. 
for any of our seasoned Bible students that are listening in, they say, yes, yes, yes. I, I love the Word of God. I read it. Uh, I've read it through multiple times. Um, yes. What kind of advice would you have for them uh, about going back and rereading it and, and having new eyes and new perspective to really see things that they've never seen before? Yeah, I'd say never stop learning. You know, pick up a pick up a commentary on a book that you've you've not read before. Yeah, we all have our favorite ones, right? If if we use commentaries, but pick up one you've never read before. I I picked up one by I'm not gonna say his name or the book or anything, but I picked up one when I was preaching Revelation recently. And I this is the second time I've preached through Revelation. Uh I did it eight or nine years ago, but I just decided to pick up this guy that I'd never read before. And I found his stuff so fascinating. He he didn't convince me of very much. You know, I, like I didn't end up agreeing with him on on much, a little bit. But man, it, it was just stimulating. I could just you know it 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 solidified things in my mind. I learned other things. I you know interpreted them differently than he did, and it was just so fun to to just just listen to this guy try to teach about Revelation, even though I didn't end up agreeing with him very much. Hmm. What about for our listeners who are challenged by reading the Bible and they feel like uh, for every every inch they go, they're a mile behind? What kind of advice do you have for them? Yeah, I really would say try to find a copy of the Story of Redemption Bible. Um, it is it is literally meant, you know, if you want to go back to the Mount Everest trek thing, it's literally meant for me uh, to be your Sherpa guide through the Bible. You know, I'm going to point out the mountains. I'm going to point out the food that you shouldn't eat, right? You know, because that would be a mistake. I'm going to point out all kinds of stuff. And uh, it's it's just so good to have a guide on a big trek like that. And so Story of Redemption Bible, I'd say try to find one of those. Yeah, I think it's a great resource, but uh, there's also this, there's, there's something special about taking those first few steps. And there's something oh, else yeah. also really rewarding about it. When you start absolutely. to see things you've never seen before, uh, they propel you forward, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the, the fun part of it is that Genesis is so packed full. Mm-hmm. You know, Genesis is like the acorn from which all the themes launch. Mm-hmm. So you can see them everywhere. Um, uh, it gets a little more difficult as you go on, <laughs> you know. Uh, but then the, the story starts to pick up steam again. Uh, in in numbers and Joshua judges, uh, yeah, and and you know, one interesting thing to realize is that by the time you get to the end of Second Kings, which is not that far, you've actually read the entire story of the Old Testament. You've you've read it from start to finish, from creation to you know five eighty six BC. You're you're done at the end of Second Kings. Everything that comes after that is just commentary on on the story. Hmm. So if so, that's encouraging to me, right? Like you don't have to read the whole thing to get the whole story. Read through Second Kings and you're done. Yeah, you know, there's only so much time that we're having, especially for pastors on a Sunday morning. Uh, if I could preach verse by verse from Genesis to Revelation, I would do it. But there's so much. Uh, our goal is to get people to yeah. eat this book, and that cannot be provided solely from a pastor in a, a 30-minute sermon. Uh, our right. listeners and uh, your readers, they need to be doing this on their own. Yeah, no, they, yeah, absolutely. I tell my people, uh, especially uh, all the time. But especially when we're in the Old Testament, read the text in advance. Hmm. And if you have time, even go read a read a commentary, you know, on on the text, so that you're primed to listen, and you'll have your own questions in your mind that will keep like, what's up with Elisha killing those kids with that bear, right? You'll have your own questions in your head that kind of keep you on the edge of the seat to see if I'm going to answer it. Whereas if you're if if you're unprimed, you're uninterested. 
Mm. Uh, and it's much easier to check out. So I tell my people, read it in advance. Be confused. That's great. Come in, and I'll be able to answer some of your questions about it. Mm. Well, can I ask you to pray? I, I know as a pastor, your heart is to preach the Word of God and to help people understand it. And I know that many of our listeners are tuned in. They're, they're, they're on the edge of their seat because they want to be better students of the Word. They want to grow in their faith. Could, could I ask you to yeah. pray for that end and as an encouragement yeah. to them uh, about uh, the journey that they're uh, embarked on already yeah. and learning the Word of God? Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, first of all, for your word. We thank you that uh, uh, even in our rebellion against you, you haven't left us ignorant of who you are. Lord, you didn't, uh, uh, because of our sins, just just shut us out from you. But you continue to speak to us through your word, through the prophets, ultimately through your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for speaking to us. Father, we thank you, too, for the opportunity and privilege that we've got to study your word and to, to get to know you and your son through it. And Lord, we pray for uh, everybody who's listening to this uh, uh, this this show that um, they would be in- encouraged uh, to read the Word, encouraged to dive into a what what can be a really daunting task of of reading the whole Word. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, you'd encourage their hearts. We pray that when it gets hard, that they would press on. We pray that they'd be able to find good help um, in making it through uh, 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 to uh, uh, to the end. And Lord, we pray that as they do that, as they take those steps and Pick up those challenges, Lord, we pray that in all of it, they would come to, to love your word and therefore love your son and love you more. And we pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been talking with Greg Gilbert. His book is called The Epic Story of the Bible, How to Read and Understand God's Word. And I think it's addressing a very important question that, quite honestly, I think a lot of people are too afraid to ask and say, I, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, this is a great resource, and it would be great for Bible studies as well as small groups. So if you're interested, let us know, and we'll make sure that we can get you some more information about the book. But Greg, I can't thank you enough. A great resource, a great conversation. Thanks for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Yeah, thanks, brother.